let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, 10 dogs tragically died on Monday after flash floods in Northeast. But this is a story that we've heard before. What is the city doing about it? Plus, the city's been accused of selectively arresting protesters, and we've got some gripes about City Paper's Best of DC list. The team's Priyanka Tilvey and Kayla Cody-Stimmerman are here to chat with me about it. Today's Friday, August 18th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. I know a big story that is on all of our minds is what's going on with these dogs. Priyanka, what can you tell us about it? Oh, so sad. Okay, so there was that crazy storm on Monday, right? Like high winds. Yeah. Lots lots of rain. In the 600 block of Rhode Island Northeast, it's like a famously dangerous zone of the city for flash floods. And there's a pet daycare there called District Dogs. And the flash flooding got up to six feet inside that building at some points on Monday. And there were about 40 to 50 dogs in there when it happened. The staff who were in there were risking their lives to save whichever dogs they could. But ultimately, the firefighters showed up and they had to break through drywall to let water out of the building. And they rescued seven employees and 20 dogs. But 10 dogs died. I don't know if you had a chance to watch this, but there was this absolutely heartbreaking interview with the district dog's owner. Our friend of the pod, Mark Seagraves, is the one who interviewed him. And he said that they're permanently closing down this location. It's completely heartbreaking to make these phone calls and talk to these owners. This is not why we're in business. It's not anything that we should have to expect it to. I was told last year, all the DC officials safe, everything was working, can be finished. We were assured that it was a safe place to open for business. It's District Dogs Northeast, and they are permanently closed. It's already updated on Google, and they say they're looking for a better and safer facility to reopen in. But the thing that's especially tragic about this situation is that this particular District Dogs flooded last year, too, during really bad rainstorms. And it's because, again, like this 600-block section of Rhode Island Northeast, just the way it is situated in the city, it's kind of like low level, and it's prone to flooding. And so last year when this happened, the owner apparently pled with the city to do something about it because it's a flood prone area. Obviously, whatever the city was planning to do did not happen quickly enough. And it wasn't just the dogs. No humans died, but there were five cars and one truck that also got stuck underwater in that exact same zone, like under the Rhode Island Ave railway bridge. And it's just a tragic story. It is a real tragedy. And first of all, major shout outs to these employees who tried to do what they could to save these dogs. I can't imagine how tough that was. Mm -hmm. And I think what really gets to me about this story is that 
I think that we're going to see more and more extreme storms with this, these kinds of consequences, like real consequences. And so I don't think this is a story that we, as horrible as it is, I think we have to sort of prepare ourselves that this might be something that becomes standard. Yeah, completely agree. Um, when I mentioned that the city is trying to do something about it, what it is they're trying to do is build this tunnel. They say that the tunnel is supposed to open up like in September, within the next two months at the latest. Um, and it's supposed to help with flooding in the area. It's supposed to add a lot of additional capacity for like sewage and rainwater to get stored essentially in the tunnel, which would mean that it gets off the streets and prevents the likelihood of flooding and flash floods especially. But I mean, they've been working on this tunnel for a really, really long time. And other ones that they're supposed to open are supposed to open in like 2030. So it's pretty far away. And I feel like we need some short-term solutions in the meantime, or like faster response times from emergency services, because I think you're right, Bridget. I think that this kind of extreme weather is going to get worse. I mean, this year already, the storms we've had feel way more dramatic than storms in previous years. And also, I'm kind of wondering if there's anything that like the district dogs could have done on their side as well. Because I mean, I remember seeing those pictures last year of like the water halfway up their door. And like, if this is a consistent thing, is there anything that you can do on their end? You know, I'm not sure, but it does seem like a lot of grieving dog parents are sort of taking their anger out on this district dog specifically. That is a good point. I mean, like, I, I hate to blame a pet daycare center. Um, and I obviously agree that the city should be doing stuff too, but there were a lot of warnings on Monday about the fact that there were going to be really bad storms. There were there was a tornado watch even. My gym like closed early Same, because yeah. of this. A lot of yeah. like the libraries all closed early on Monday. So maybe they should have called owners and sent the pets home. Like there were reports of owners being like, I had no idea there was a problem until I showed up to pick up my dog and then saw the firefighters there. Wow. That's tragic. Yeah. I have a question. You said that this area, this has happened before in this specific area. Are there other dangerous flood zones in D.C. that we should know about? Yeah, there are. So Ivy City near Bethesda Baptist Church is another area that's really flood prone. And actually, the church was once again flooded this year. And again, it's not the first time. The pastor said that the carpet was ruined and it had only been installed two years prior after a similar flood. And, and these kinds of repairs cost the church tens of thousands of dollars. There are also really dangerous flood-prone zones in Arlington and Alexandria. Within D.C. itself, it's mostly those areas of Northeast, at least from what I read. But it's also notable that it was kind of hard to find out. Like, I spent a significant amount of time this week trying to research the danger zones in D.C. And... You kind of have to cobble things together, like cobble information together from reading different news articles. The DC water map is not very easy to use or clear. Well, that goes back to your question about could we be doing more? Should the city be doing more to warn people and give people information? It's one thing to do a flood warning the morning of a storm or a storm warning the morning of a storm, but making sure people understand like, hey, if you're in these zones, if you live in these zones, these are flood prone zones in the city could be good. Like more information never hurt anybody. That's so true. And also maybe changing the regulations for how many, you know, exits a place needs to have or types of exits a place needs to have in order to protect people and pets. 
Also, doesn't it seem like there's like lower lift things that you can do to protect from flooding? Like besides digging a literal tunnel through the earth, can't you put in water pathways or like grass on cement so that like the water can seep through or like smaller, lower lift things that would help the situation in the next, you know, six months to a year rather than waiting until 20, 30 or more? I don't know. Seems like there should be. Yeah. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. So a DC panel of judges has agreed to let two anti-abortion activists sue the city. These two anti-abortion activists say that they were unfairly arrested during the 2020 racial justice uprisings where everybody was protesting for Black Lives Matter in the streets that summer. They say that they chalked the phrase Black preborn lives matter outside of a NOMA Planned Parenthood while racial justice protesters who wrote phrases like Black Lives Matter on public spaces did not face the same consequences that they did. They're saying this is unfair. They want to sue the city. A panel of D.C. judges is saying that is okay. They can sue the city. Uh, the court has been ordered to reconsider the previously dismissed claims of selective prosecution. So it is illegal for people to write or mark any public or private property without a permit. However, it sounds like the protesters are saying, while all of these racial justice protesters were doing the same thing, they were selectively arrested and selectively faced consequences for writing anti-abortion messages outside of Planned Parenthood. Yeah, exactly. I I read that one of the judges, she is the Trump appointed judge, Naomi Rao, but there was also an Obama appointed judge and a Biden appointed judge on this panel and they agreed on this decision. So, but she said that the government cannot play favorites in a public forum, permitting some messages and prohibiting others. And so that's why they're allowing this lawsuit from the anti-abortion activists to go forward. I personally feel really conflicted about this whole situation because it, it doesn't feel like the two uh, messages that were chalked are can be equated. I mean, like Black Lives Matter, we have a plaza where the city has written Black Lives Matter itself. If other people are also writing Black Lives Matter on the sidewalk, that doesn't feel the same as writing Black preborn Lives Matter on a Planned Parenthood clinic. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the intent and the effect of the words, right? Like, yes, okay, technically, you're, the physical act is the same thing. But, like, writing Black Lives Matter is not harming or dissuading anybody from getting medical care. Like, they shouldn't be equated in my mind. Though, to be fair, they are also talking about people who are talking, like, defund the police, which personally... I feel like I agree more with people 
chalking defund the police than people chalking black preborn lives matter. But like the whole point of the law is that we shouldn't be making decisions based on our personal biases, right? So this that's where the conflict comes in. So that's where I'm like, I don't really know how to feel about this. Priyanka, something that you point out that I think is really relevant here, just happening to know a lot about abortion history, particularly in D.C., is that the argument that the, pro- the anti-abortion activists are making is that it's the same thing as writing Black Lives Matter on a sidewalk. Writing Black Preborn Lives Matter outside of an abortion clinic is the same thing. They put this kind of succinctly in the Washington Post. They write, on Tuesday, the D.C. Circuit panel found that the anti-abortion activists had acted similarly to the Black Lives Matter protesters whose murals remained. Both groups protested around the same time. Both sought to write messages on D.C. streets while officers watched. And both probably violated the defacement ordinance. I understand where that sentiment is coming from, but here's why I think it's not a fair comparison, because we have had so many legal precedents about how anti-abortion activists can behave, what they can and can't do outside of Planned Parenthoods and other clinics, right? And so there is no such ordinance, there's no such history of racial justice protesters needing a federal ordinance saying that they cannot get closer than 35 feet to a clinic or to an office or to something like that. We have that when it comes to anti-abortion activists. We did at least until it was struck down. And so that's there for a reason, because anti-abortion activists doing things outside of places where people are going for care has a history. There is no such history when it comes to racial justice protesters. And so I understand why on the face these two issues look really similar and why you could make a similar argument. However, the history, the legacy, and the actual impacts of what these two groups of protesters have done, completely different. Agreed. Also, from like a technical standpoint, the Washburn article does make it sound like the two things were very similar. And like, in some ways, I guess they were. But having been out in those BLM protests, the atmosphere was totally different. I mean, like, it was chaos. The police weren't just standing by watching people, like, whatever, right with chalk on the sidewalk. The police were standing there in riot gear and occasionally tear gassing. So, like, it doesn't seem plausible that they would have paused to arrest people for writing chalk when they were running, like chasing people down, wearing riot gear and tear gassing them. And also there were plenty of arrests. There were a lot. Yeah. Maybe just not for writing things with chalk. Yeah. That's what the police are saying, that the two protests were completely different. The racial justice protests in 2020 were big. They were non-hierarchical. So it's like, you don't know who is just like out looking, who's part of the protesters, who's organizing, whatever. And importantly, the anti-abortion protesters, their demonstration was much smaller. And it says that they preemptively told the police they were going to be gathering. And I think that there's a real lesson there. If you tell the police like, hey, my group's going to be gathering here. I don't think you can really feign surprise when it's like the police are interested in what you're doing, right? And so, yeah, surprise, surprise, a much smaller group of people who have preemptively told the police their plans and their intention to gather uh, have faced different consequences than a large, non-hierarchical, you know, loosely organized collection of people who who might not even all be organizing under the same banner. Like, it just... Again, I think that on the surface, there are some comparisons to be made. But when you actually drill down into what's going on, they're actually quite different. Now, again, obviously, I am 
fervently pro <laughs> choice. I am fervently like pro people making medical and health decisions for themselves. So maybe that's just my bias showing. I do hope these people get their day in court. I don't think that hurts anybody, but yeah, I think they're I think they're different things. I don't care for that comparison. For sure. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this is going to play out in the courts. So Kayla, that got me all riled up that conversation. Can you take us down a little bit? Give me something that's going to wet my appetite and be non-controversial. Yeah, I know. We, we ate our vegetables. So here's here's a little bit of dessert. Um, <laughs> so City Paper just came out with their like best of list. And actually, the, they released one category per day. The last one just came out yesterday. And they're just, you know, it's a list of like the best bagels in D.C., like the best chiropractor in D.C., like uh, the best of everything, every possible category, like hundreds like that you can imagine. Right. And so we've gone through them all. um, And some of them (laughs) are great. And I agree with and I think are correct. And some of them I'm not so sure. Um, And I know, Bridget and Priyanka, this is your first time hearing some of these So I'm just going to read some out to you and you tell me whether or not you agree with them, right? So there's a a few different categories, the first of which is food and drink, obviously the most exciting category, as we all know. So for the best bagel category, we have Call Your Mother. Mm. I know, I know. There seems like there's better ones. So overpriced. You go, it's like $12. Right, I know. So these are reader picks, by the way. There's reader and editor picks. These are from the reader picks. We have Best Bakery, which is Whisked, which I've actually never heard of. Has anybody? Never been. No. I mean, like Rose Ave Bakery, nobody, nothing. Yeah, that was a runner up, I think. But and Rose Ave is amazing. Like so many. Joint, like, I don't know. I could list off Bread First. I could list off so many. Oh, Bread First is good. Um, okay, the best bar was The Blaggard, which I know of, but I've actually never been to. Same. And then we have Best Mocktail, which was Binge Bar, which I I did go to and I thought was overrated myself. Mm. We've got Best Reader Picks for like Arts and Culture and People and Places. So the Best Arts and Culture Festival was the Turkish Festival. Has anybody been to the Turkish Festival? No. Me neither. Yeah, but I I thought the you know the Smithsonian festival might win because it's enormous. Yeah, the Folklife Festival. No, no. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a best friend category. So Miles Wilson, whoever you are, I'm so glad that you're doing well. <laughs> um, and congratulations on winning the best friend uh, in DC. How does that even work? I'm gonna dispute that. I feel like I'm the best friend in this city. I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm a little offended that one of us didn't win, to be honest. Um, it's a little upsetting, but... Is that, like, just, like, a write-in? Like, Miles just has the most friends who I'm pretty actually sure. voted? Yeah, it was. They're all written. They're okay. written in. Um, so next year, you know, just remember, I know my name's hard to spell, but you get it every day in your inbox, so <laughs> just, just a note. <laughs> oh, we should use the power of this... Of this Podcast I and know, media company. Make sure to vote for me for best friend. Yeah. We're going to start campaigning early. This is my life's mission <laughs> from, from now on. Um, we got best place to take an out-of-towner. Um, people voted on the Bonsai Museum over, like, the National Mall, over, like, oh. any of the art museum, like, ever, ever everything. I like that. It's I unique. like that. Like, I mean, it feels like a real local win for us to have picked something yeah. that's not the National Mall. 
I don't know if it, I don't know if my pick would have been the Bonsai Museum specifically, but just for it to not be the National Mall. I know, it's inspiring me to go. Mm. What would your pick have been? Hmm. Best place to take an out of towner. I love taking people to Planet Word. Oh, That's because all my it. friends oh, it's are so nerds. Good. Is it? Okay. It's so good. It's so interactive as someone who has a deep love of languages, like both English language and also languages generally. Planet Word is cool and they do a lot of fun events too. And most of them are free. So that's my hmm. pick. I think I have to take people to like Eastern Market or something, you know, something where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, in the like, little bookstore and like the little market area. I think that'd be cute. True. I might do the Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens, yeah. which I learned Ooh. about from Black Girl Explore DC Gorgeous. from the episode that we did on yeah. it. So, yeah. Yeah. On this podcast. Love it. So moving on, the best local Instagram account um, was Clock Out DC. Uh, but unfortunately, she is shutting down. She's already shut down. She says she's done. Um, I did talk to her. I, like, I emailed with her, and she said that she just felt like moving on, so she's moving on. But I hope she's happy. But it is sad that like our best local Instagram account, by readers' picks, but also just generally, I would say probably the most well-known. Most comprehensive by far, yeah. Yeah, is going to be gone, and we're going to have to find something else to turn to. I suppose people could turn to CityCast DC. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was a good... Nice plug. <laughs> um... Okay, and tragically, tragically, the best doggy daycare was won by District Dogs just a day before. Oh, that's rough. I'm not sure if they would have won a day after, but that's rough. Yeah. That is very sad. There are a few editor picks, and it seems like the editors got a little bit cheeky with the responses. Okay. So we got the best bear in D.C., which you can probably guess is Mr. Franklin, the Brooklyn bear, who was up in a tree. What a cutie. <laughs> Just such a cutie. Um, the best people pleaser was Brooke Pinto, which seems a little pointed. If you don't know, Brooke Pinto is the Ward 2 council member. Very pointed. Yeah, she has been she's been like agreeing with Mayor Bowser on a lot of things recently, especially when it comes to crime, like crime response and like how the city is handling that. And I guess teacher's pet situation. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guessing that's what they're going for. I guess so. Ouch. So this is like a like a like let's throw a little shade at Brooke Pinto via this like mean superlative. (laughs) You know what? I'm here for it. (laughs) And then we have the best under the radar feud which is Charles Allen and Kenyon McDuffie, which I, does anybody know what that beef is? Because I do not. It's so under the radar, we don't even know about it. I think they do tend to be on the opposite side of a lot of issues. Like, for example, the stadium fight, like whether or not the commanders should get a stadium in D.C. and whether taxpayers should pay for it. Kenyon and Charles are on opposite ends of that. I also think when it comes to, like, crime bill stuff, but, yeah, I think it's it's mostly policy things. But if there's a deeper, like, personal beef slash feud please let us know <laughs> yeah i want to know and then the best loser is dun 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 can you guess i don't know is it another council member phil mendelson no it's dan it's dan snyder it's dan it's dan snyder oh yeah, so of course. of course that seems yeah. yeah like an obvious choice there happy to hear it and then my personal favorite one um which i thought was hilarious is the best way to get high when republicans say you cannot um, and the winner is to self-certify for a medical marijuana card in D.C. or just go to just go to Maryland. Um, also, on that note, Tacoma Wellness Center won the best dispensary in D.C. I don't know if that mm. helps anybody, but yeah. So they really got they really got some good answers there. I recommend going in and looking through the whole list because um, they do get quite hilarious. Yeah, I would say the best way to get high when Republicans say you can't is just 
do it because everyone's <laughs> high in DC anyway. It's like, just walk around and get secondhand <laughs> high for everybody's talking. Yeah. Kayla, Priyanka, thank you for running through these stories with me. And thank you for pushing back against some of these best bar, best bagel. <laughs> I don't know if this is like the time where I find out that I'm actually old and out of touch because I have not been to a lot of these places, but it was clarifying. Happy to help. Yeah. Yeah. De- yeah. Definitely check out the full list. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilvey. Our producers are Elizabeth Kama and Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Cody Stemmerman. Our production assistant is Susanna Brown. And our hosts are Michael Schaefer from Politico and me, Bridget Todd. Music is by Alex Roldan. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. 